Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Tim Phillips. It's good old Tim. Uh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> good. Uh, like an old shoe. I was going to say, we've achieved the essential first part of the show, which is getting uh, the co-host on Zoom before we start recording, which uh, is good progress. So we're, we're in good shape for today. Yeah, we're not on video, thank God, because I'm in my underwear right now. So Okay, well, that was TMI. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, we are recording in the morning, so that's okay. It's, uh, it's you know, it's radio. Anyway, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new animated anthology, The House, which you can now stream on Netflix. That is coming up in the back half of the show. So for the first half, uh, Tim suggested that we do our three, our top three, or our three favorite uh, anthology films. Um, I, I would probably say this is for me like a three, three lists, uh, three good f- films that are anthologies. Because if I made like an actual list of anthology films, it would probably be all horror films. Because that seems to be where a lot of the anthology films are is in the horror That's right. genre. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, a lot. And like there's franchises too. There's the ABCs of Death. There's the VHS films. Uh, there's the Creep Show films and now a creep show series uh there's well there's twilight zone the movie <laughs> yeah which that, had more horror filming it than in the actual episodes uh yeah there was definitely <laughs> one very big real life horror in that one segment um i my my suspicion on the filming of the the gremlin uh, one with John Lithgow was it probably went fine, but the the, <laughs> the first one, <laughs> the first one uh, with Vic Morrow, um, yeah. that's that. There's a whole episode dedicated of cursed films dedicated to that. If you want to check it out, yeah. um, so leaving that behind, uh, we're gonna do three anthology films that you can check out now on streaming, uh, regardless of the genre. So. Tim, why don't you start off with uh, your first pick? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for anthology films, like you're mentioning, you know, several short films uh, as part of the overall film. And, uh, you know, so you get like varying quality. So actually my top three, I don't, I don't like every short film that's included in them, but mm. the high moments are the highest of moments for me. Um, but you did mention, horror so i just want to do an honorable mention mm-hmm. that probably uh anthology film that stuck with me the most was a movie i watched when i was much too young <laughs> it was uh, S- stephen king's cat's eye oh yeah I-, I think i watched it you know as a young child when i was eight or so it was like 1985 it came out mm-hmm. um so it's not on my favorite list but honorable mention because my i think my aunt who was babysitting me at the time did not know there was a cat on the cover <laughs> she thought i would like it it seemed good <laughs> and it <laughs> and it it terrified amused and fascinated me but it was i remember the terrifying part so just watch that with kids that's why there's the rating system 
so, but yeah, that one's honorable mention, but check it out. It's, it's really weird and quirky and uh, horrific too. Um, but number three on my list is Coffee and Cigarettes, directed by mm. Jim Jarmusch from 2003. And uh, I may have appreciated it more in when I saw it, when it came out, because right now I avoid coffee and cigarettes like COVID. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The three C's (laughs) coffee, cigarettes and COVID. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm avoiding it. Um, Coffee recently. I used to be quite a coffee addict. I don't think it was good for my health. I've never been much of a smoker, but it, it it is an interesting film. uh, Jim Jarmusch did. And he had the inspiration because he had started doing short films about coffee and cigarettes back in the eighties. Um, so he took three of his original short films and then added eight more on top of that. And, uh, it's in black and white has a very eclectic cast and very funny episodes. And he includes that first coffee and cigarettes episode is 1986 short film starring Roberto Benini, the famous, mm. uh, Italian actor and uh, director of life is beautiful, but he's done a lot of really, weird uh, comedies over the years mm-hmm. pairing Roberto Benini with comedian Stephen Wright mm-hmm. and uh, Stephen Wright lists all his ideas for coffee. He has a lot of great ideas like co- caffeine popsicles for kids. <laughs> and he also says drinking coffee right before m- bed makes you dream faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really cool. Stephen Wright, so deadpan and Roberto Benini is just sitting there and his English isn't s- so good. So he, <laughs> he can't really understand what Stephen Wright's saying. Uh, so that's really funny. And then there's another episode in there uh, starring Iggy Pop and Tom Waits mm-hmm. where they're celebrating quitting smoking and they say, Oh, to celebrate, let's just light up a cigarette to celebrate. And uh, it's really funny. Uh, really funny that they're smoking to celebrate how they've quit smoking and another episode stars uh, Jack and Meg white of the white stripes. And they're mm-hmm. having an intellectual conversation about Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. So um, that's very strange. And that's a cool thing about this movie. There's a lot of like rock stars and people you don't usually see act in the movie. And Jim Jarmusch has done other anthology films too, like mystery train and night on earth that include a lot of rock stars. Mm-hmm. But my favorite episode in that this one is the one with Bill Murray playing a waiter serving the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> serving Giza mm-hmm. and Riza. And in the scene, Bill Murray's just totally depressed. He's actually chugging coffee from the craft. Mm-hmm. And uh, Giza and Riza say, don't do that, Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, Bill yeah. Murray. You don't have to drink the coffee like that, Bill Murray. And oh, I just find that's it's just so hilarious. So yeah. I, you know, and they're varying quality probably in the 11, but that one just makes me laugh out loud every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is available for streaming on the Criterion channel, which I know has a free trial. So if you want to check it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually signed up for Criterion recently because there's just so many great movies on there. But uh, mm-hmm. check it out. Coffee and Cigarettes, Jim Jarmusch, number three on my list. Yeah, you can watch a couple of Criterion titles a month and it pays for itself. Um, my number, well, I'm putting it number three. It, again, if this was like a, a favorites list, it would probably rank higher. 
but it's trick or treat which is a horror movie and i'll i'll, I'll put an honorable mention in first because i couldn't find where to stream it uh which is uh paris Jatem, which is uh a, an anthology film about uh love in paris uh it's several different directors including like a lot of really famous some uh american directors like gus van sant wes craven does a segment uh the coen brothers do a segment so uh, I think Alfonso Cuaron does a segment too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a lot of fun. It's kind of, each chapter is kind of based around a different district in Paris. And I mean, it, this is, it, it's kind of watched a franchise of these like city cities, finding love in cities franchises. Cause there was New York. I love you. And there's one about Rio. Um, but Paris, uh, Paris is the was the first and is the best. Unfortunately, I couldn't find somewhere to stream it, so I, it didn't make my list. But. Yeah, Adam, spoiler alert! I included it on my list. Oh, did you? I found it's on Plex. P-L-E-X. It's on Plex. Okay, we'll save that. <laughs> we'll save that for for when it's your turn. Then uh, I I. Okay, I couldn't find it streaming anywhere, so I left it off my list. Okay, so I will get into my first real pick, which is Trick or Treat, um, which I saw at Toronto After Dark in 2009. Um, this was when After Dark was in the summer for some reason. but um, Now it's in October where it belongs. Um, but yeah, it, it's an anthology film, which is four different Halloween stories, kind of based around like Halloween urban legends, like not blowing out the jack-o'-lantern before midnight and um, the, the mean guy on the block and who doesn't give out candy and uh, like the sadistic principal um, who turns out to be really sadistic. And uh, there's a segment with um, these four beautiful girls who are going to a Halloween party. And so they're dressed in, let's, let's say a uh, several provocative costumes, including um, sort of provocative takes on a couple of Disney princesses. Uh, fair use, uh, of course. But um, who, uh, the, the girls end up being werewolves and they're going to this Halloween party where they've lured a bunch of guys to essentially feed on them. And uh, all through this is this little cherub, uh, Sam, who is this like little figure who's dressed all in burlap and it looks kind of like a scarecrow but also kind of like a gingerbread man and he's kind of the the rot sterling of, <laughs> of these stories although he doesn't say anything he just sort of like pops up at the end and sort of takes the audience from one story to another um i i think the the thing that makes a good anthology film for the most part there are there is an exception i'll get to shortly but um is that each sort of segment is allowed to stand on its own. Of course, there are, there is crossover between the stories, but each one kind of stands on its own is kind of really good on its own. And you have a lot of really great actors in this, like Dylan Baker, uh, who plays the principal and you have uh, Brian Cox as the mean old man. And um, the, uh, the segment with the werewolf girls is led by Anna Paquin, who of course was at the time famous for a vampire show. So <laughs> she's uh i guess if she's a ghost she she gets the the free sub for playing all the supernatural creatures so um anyway uh trick or treat you can find that on just about any of your video on demand streaming platforms so tim nice i I hope i didn't spoil your number two but what's your number two (laughs) (laughs) your number two is trick or treat no (laughs) (laughs) i should i should watch 
watch more. I, yeah, when I was looking up anthology films, man, there's so many horror uh, yeah. movies on right now. Yeah, I, I'm Prime and uh, Shutter and all over the place. Yeah, uh, but number two on my list is Akira Kurosawa's Dreams mm-hmm. from 1990, a magic realist film of eight vignettes, um, directed by the Japanese master Akira Kurosawa. Uh, and it, he was assisted in the production by George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, actually. So that's a, a neat fact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, really heavy themes, but really great color cinematography, too. And uh, Kurosawa later in his career, like a lot of his best known films are black and white, like Seven Samurai. But Later in his career in the 80s and 90s, just such beautiful color cinematography. And I think of a movie did Ran in 1985 and then Mm -hmm. Dreams in 1990. Just beautiful. And uh, themes include uh, uh, childhood, spirituality, art, death. And then the one episode that really stuck out for me um, is... His best dream is actually a nightmare called Mount Fuji in Red, mm. which is about a large nuclear power plant near Mount Fuji that has a meltdown. Mm-hmm. And it is a terrifying tale. And I think it really does predict the Fukushima nuclear disaster caused <laughs> by the earthquake and tsunami in Japan in 2011. Mm-hmm. So it's really prescient uh, that he did this in 1990, you know, 21 years before that disaster. And it's interesting because there is a lightness to some of the episodes and talking about childhood, but then this one just is like a, just wallops you. And I I think it's one of the more powerful things I've seen. Uh, Yeah. Mount Fuji in red. Um, And I think just later in his career, he, he just was, you know, confident in himself. He's always was a great director, but he was able in his, in this to really sort of delve into things he wanted to change in the world. I think Mm -hmm. he talked about, you know, you know, how humans are affecting nature um, and what he's seeing in Japan specifically and what he, uh, what he remembers from his childhood. And apparently these were dreams. These were actually based on his real dreams that recurring dreams he had. So Mm. it's, uh, Definitely an interesting piece, and I would definitely take a look at it. Um, it is streaming. Uh, someone posted it on YouTube, the whole movie. So, <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> thank, thank you to that anonymous donor. It's on YouTube. Um, it also says that it's on Hoopla. Uh, so, you may be able to find it with your library card because that's through the library system. Yeah. But I definitely check out Akira Kurosawa's Dreams, number two on my list. Yeah, just a, a word of caution about Hoopla is that uh, different libraries have access to different materials. So it's, I don't know if it's available through the Guelph library system, but it could be. Uh, it would be interesting. I, I have not seen Dreams, but I mean, that's, people think Kurosawa was a like 1950s, 60s director, but I mean, he worked pretty much right up to the end so um it's a good reminder of that yeah and check it out on youtube thanks to whoever put that up there <laughs> well <laughs> if all those <laughs> fails maybe somebody put the whole thing on youtube um my next pick is 32 short films about glenn gould 
Nice. Which is uh, about the famous Canadian pianist. Um, some people might know him as a pianist. Some people might know him as the the statue of the guy sitting on the bench in front of the CBC in Toronto. Um, but he was a remarkable, remarkable pianist. Um, changed the game for a lot of people, really changed the way people listen to classical music um, at a time when, um, you know, there, there was kind of no international recognition for Canadian culture. He kind of stood out among, uh, among the pack. Um, but I mean, he had his issues as we all do. And uh, certainly he had his demons. Uh, they sometimes threatened to consume him. Some might argue they did consume him. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, this is a remarkable piece of film because it technically it cheats a little because one of the 32 chapters is the end credits. But um, it, it is remarkable that you get sort of 30 some odd distinctive sort of short vignettes into a man's life that makes a biopic uh, one of the most unconventional biopics you'll ever see um, all basically held together. It's the same director all, all through basically held together by this um, really tremendous tour de force performance by Colm Fior as Gould, who sometimes has to act against himself. And uh, sometimes there's, there's, there's a bit of documentary in it. it there's a bit of, um, animation in it you know there's recordings of his performance like it's it it's interesting that you kind of get andonche coming up the the author michael andonche coming up at the same time as you get this movie because they're both kind of very similar styles that you, you know you a, a life is told in these like sort of short little bursts of insight um randomly collected from from various sources coming through slaughter is the name of the book I, i'm thinking about from andonche yeah. Well, as about a, a New Orleans jazz musician from the twenties that who was hugely influential, but there's not much known about his life. Um, so Andante collects the little bits and nuggets and and turns it into a narrative, and it's kind of like that with thirty two films, uh, thirty two short films about Glenn Gould, and um, it's a Canadian film to boot. Uh, Francois Girard uh, directed it, teamed up with Don McKellar, who was the co writer. Um, and then they went on to do another anthology film, which was, I think, maybe slightly more well-known. Or it, it, it went out a bit further. It, it kind of got a wider release, which was The Red Violin, which was a story of, that takes place over hundreds of years <laughs> um, about this, the, a singular violin. I think it starts in the 17th century, and the final chapter is in 1997, Montreal. So um, these guys know anthology, and... Uh, 32 short films about Glenn Gould is uh, if you haven't seen it, you have definitely seen something influenced by that. Even if it is like the Simpsons episode, 22 short films about Springfield. So. <laughs> Anything can come back to the Simpsons, right? Anything can come back to the Simpsons. <laughs> and uh, it is streaming on all the usual VOD platforms. Um, you can rent it on Apple, but for actually for a couple of bucks more, you can just straight out buy it. And that's, probably worth buying because you'll definitely want to revisit it again yeah that's awesome adam i haven't seen that in years i'd definitely like to see that again yeah uh well worth checking out again and again and again <laughs> so by process of elimination tim i think we know what your number <laughs> your next one is <laughs> 
Yeah, and thanks for. I, I have less to say now. Thanks for that. Oh, um, no worries. <laughs> number w- number one is Paris Je T'aime from two thousand six. Eighteen short films uh, about the different arrondissements or districts in Paris, uh, as you'd mentioned, Adam. And there are a lot of uh, a lot of superstar talent involved, like you mentioned, Gus Van Zandt, the Coen Brothers, Queeron directs, mm-hmm. uh, and I think there's a really good quality about most of the films in it, um, which is tough when you've got that many short films, mm-hmm. but there is good quality control on these. Uh, and, but the one that really stuck out to me the most is the very last film, mm-hmm. which was directed by Alexander Payne. Yes. And Payne was involved four- too. Yeah. Yeah. The 14th hour on these mall. And I probably one of the best short films I've ever seen. And it's just so simple. And I think it tells a story, whereas some of the other episodes, you know, there's like drug dealing going on or whatever. And it's all good. It adds some elements to it. But <laughs> this is just so simple. And it's just, just it, it, it can like make you emotional watching it. It's just one actress. It stars Margot Martindale. Mm-hmm. who um, had a recurring role in The Americans as Claudia in the show The Americans. And she's been in a lot of movies and television as well. Mm-hmm. Probably will recognize her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's directed by Alexander Payne, but written by Payne and Nadine Eide. And great, it's great movie, just with voiceover. And it's about this uh, postal carrier from Denver, Colorado, Mm-hmm. And she's just been working her whole life. She hasn't really traveled anywhere and she's going on her first trip to Europe. So she, it's her in Paris um, reciting in very amateur French, what she loves about the city and all the great adventures she had uh, going through the city. And it's, it's, it's just, I, I just think it, it's amazing. And she, she loves Paris and then you have little like glimpses of, you know, they'll show the Eiffel Tower, they'll show, you know, the, the you know, L'Arc de Triomphe or Champs d'Elysees, all these areas she goes to, you know, mm. a lot of the tourist areas. Or, or, but then there's moments she's just sitting in a park and she's just enjoying Paris. And she just says that she loves Paris. And it really fits with the title Paris Je T'aime. I, I love Paris. Mm-hmm. She says how much she loves Paris and her only hope is that Paris will love her back. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's just a, just an inspirational story. I know some about somebody you can relate to somebody has been working her whole, whole life and she finally gets a chance to go there and she goes on her own. You know, your people, you know, travel on your own. You can, it can be a brave act to travel on your own to a foreign land. And she does that. She sees the sights and uh, you know, it's like, you just feel like you're really happy for that character for being able to do that. And uh, I think it really caps off. I can see why they put that as the last episode mm-hmm. in the anthology film. Cause it really, it really hits a crescendo at the end. You're just feeling like, Oh, this is great. This, this gives me a warm feeling about Paris and pe- people who visit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other episodes they're, they're great. And I definitely watch it from one to 18, but that last one's quite the capper. And if you don't have a lot of time, fast forward to that one because it's a great <laughs> short film. And uh, Perry Jutem, like I was mentioning before, I found that it's streaming on Plex, which I've never used before, but it's free. It looks like it just pops up oh, free. Okay. 
free on your computer and I don't even think there are ads involved in it. So um, check it out if you can. All right. Well, I stand corrected. Um, and well, that's all right, Adam. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you I, I know just... more about this than I do, but I just happen to stumble on it. No, no, that's completely fair. Um, the, the thing about the, as I said, there are a lot of, or at least a couple of sort of spinoff features. And I remember seeing New York. I love you. I think it was at Toronto film festival. And I was like, kind of so stoked because I, I really, I really loved Paris Jatam. And I was like, oh, this is going to be equally great. I mean, they've gotten a bunch of other people, but it, it's going to be great. And it was such a, it was, I, I remember being so disappointed in it. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. that it was necessarily bad, but I just, it was not as, it was not as good or as insightful as, um, as Paris Jatama. And maybe it's because they, they sort of got everybody who wanted to do this right off the top. Like, even the Wes yeah. Craven one, like Wes Craven doesn't get enough credit for just like, I mean, granted his segment is, is like horror um, infused, but it, yeah. it is also quite lovely at the same time. Um, yeah. You can see that people, yeah. Paris is just type of say people have like an emotional response to it. Yeah. You may um, be. You'd think New York too, but I can, I know, I think I saw that and I was like, what? But um, it, it's kind of tough in, in other cities maybe to get that sort of uh, imbue yeah. with that sort of emotion. Even when you do like a horror or a different genre piece, you're still imbuing it with that emotion because you have that love of the city, right? I do wonder if maybe it was like, if you, if you go back in time and say, do like a New York, I love you, like set in the like the grimy 70s and 80s and maybe it would be a bit different but i digress um, new york i hate you maybe is what people back then maybe we all look at it and we, we like the pictures but i'm sure there were yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. my last pick is kind of an obvious one it's pulp fiction which is i think technically nice. an anthology film um because i'll like again all the segments kind of work on their own but they are sort of tied together as well um even like you just like the the Christopher Walken scene where he plays the captain who who gives Butch the gold watch that his yeah. father smuggled through the through being a prisoner of war. That's just like a great sort of like one act because it's all monologue, it's all walking, it's it's yeah. so beautiful to watch. <laughs> beautiful, yeah. <laughs> it's because he doesn't break character, even as he says yeah. the most like ridiculous things about carrying the watch in his uh well, in his posterior, let's say it's it's, but it, it's um it's fun, it's disjointed. Um, you you get so many great like actors who uh become stars after this, like Samuel L. Jackson and Uma Thurman. You get a lot of people who get uh who were stars and maybe get a, a kind of a bump out of this. People like Harvey Keitel and John Travolta, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, Bruce, you get Bruce Willis when he's still like choosing good projects and is awake while making them. Um, it, it, it's yeah, what's he doing lately? <laughs> what's wrong with that man? You don't even want to know. The, 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 <laughs> the most recent one is he plays like an FBI agent next to Megan Fox, and but he, it's very clear they had him for like a day, two days tops. But yeah. uh, I mean. We can we can talk about Bruce Willis's recent choices. That could be like a whole episode, but let's do um, it. <laughs> but Pulp Fiction uh, is still great. I mean, there's a reason why it, it's kind of so legendary and and why it like launched a thousand imitators. But um, 
it has a secret sauce that no one yeah. was able to replicate and it just killed, still still kind of stands on its own and is still very memorable. Um, it's an amazing movie. I watch it like every year. I watch it at least once or twice every year. It's such a good movie. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that's that's anthology films, uh, other anthology films. I would, however, recommend this next one we're going to talk about after the break. And you'll have to stand by to hear why. You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. shoes you should take them off no need for them now yeah i guess you're right can we have a look at the show bedroom yeah it's just through there feel free i'll be downstairs if you need anything at all just call we're very interested in your house that's great news extremely interesting okay and that was a clip from The House. It is the new film from Anna DeSwaif and Mark James Rolls, plus Nikki Lindroth, Von Beer, and Paloma Biza. And it features the voice talents of Mia Goth, Jarvis Cocker, Matthew Good, Susan Wacoma, and Helena Bonham Carter. Um, so uh, for obvious reasons... Uh, as you may have inferred there, this is an anthology movie. Uh, it's an animated anthology. And I didn't, I was, I was completely unaware, Tim, when you suggested this. I was like, what is this, ha- the house he is speaking of? <laughs> Tim's <laughs> lost his mind here, right? <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, I, I, I believe you, it was a movie that's on Netflix right now. But um, I was completely unaware that this was a thing coming out. Like, I hadn't seen anything about it, but, uh, I'm glad you brought it up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it is very, very good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what, what, what appealed to you about the house? So you, you kick us off. Okay. Um, well, I wasn't sure what, what I wanted to review next for end credits. And I had seen some popular fare recently um, that I liked. I liked being the Ricardos. Mm. Um, I really liked it. Nicole Kidman gives an excellent performance, but I wasn't sure what the rest of the team was going to be reviewing on end credits. And I like weird and wonderful movies. So I looked this up and like in the, in the log line for it, it said weird animated British movie. And I was like, (laughs) that sounds good to me. (laughs) And it has uh, the voice talent, like you said, of Jarvis Cocker, which, uh, one of my favorite bands, Pulp, from you know the '90s Britpop, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, "Wow, he's involved, and he's involved in the soundtrack too." So that 
that caught my eye and I, I saw like some stills from it with like rat characters and cat characters and uh, weird looking human characters. And I said, this looks like, this looks like a good movie and it was getting good reviews. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's take a look at this, this, uh, mm-hmm. this beast here, this, the house and uh, anthology films. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, you know, there've been so many good anthology films. So it was interesting to see what they would do with the three different stories tied to this one house and how that would play out. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's why I picked this one and uh, I'm glad you accepted the challenge, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so am I, because uh, you will never see a movie like this. Uh, any, I, I, I don't know where you would see it otherwise. Um, but I mean, it is both with sort of within Netflix's habit of like plucking weird stuff out of the ether and then uh, giving it a platform and then also burying it. So no one can find it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's infuriating, but I'm, I'm also grateful at the same time, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful film. There's such a, you can almost reach out and touch the characters. They, they feel so alive. Um, they feel so tactile and it is stop motion animation. So I'm not sure we mentioned that, but it, you know, it, it feels, it, it, it very much has like a, a weight to it um, because these are puppets that are, or, or figures that are being moved as opposed to pixels being clicked and they're on a physical set um, with physical people moving them around and you can just feel it. You can just feel the, the, the humanity to it. And that's not to dismiss like computer generated movie, uh, animated movies at all, mm-hmm. but th- there is something about the physical um, presence of, of these characters that you cannot like, no matter how well animated like fur is like blowing in the wind. It just doesn't, it, it just does not come close to seeing every whisker move when you get one of yeah. these rat characters in close up. <laughs> yeah. There's like an oddity about it too. Like it's with the, the human, like even the, the human beings even like, Oh yeah. Just, so you, 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 you get drawn in to, you know, I don't think this is really a horror, but there it's really strange. And there's like, mm. you get sort of drawn into just, just the strange world really. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially I'd say in that first segment, it's so ominous with this house and there's this rich tycoon who comes, who, who has an intermediary come with an offer to this, <laughs> impoverished family about living in this mansion on the hill no mm. strings attached just give me your house and we'll we'll put you on the mansion on the hill and it's it it's just and you see these characters with small eyes and mm-hmm. big faces and mm-hmm. and you're sort of drawn in by that and then the voice acting you'd mentioned some of the voice actors it's so strong in this mm-hmm. in that first episode the child played by mia goth Mm-hmm. who plays Mabel mm-hmm. just excellent excellent voice work and you can uh, you're afraid for her you're afraid for her and her uh, her sister 
think, or the, the baby um, mm-hmm. and, you know, how the parents are, you know, in the situation where it's be careful what you wish for. They want to, they're like, wow, we're going to live in luxury here. And yeah, they don't see what's happening to their world around them. And then the next episode, and then it's so cool. Cause that's like from, I don't know. I don't even know what year that was supposed to be set in, but from mm, it's like century the ago. Victorian, yeah. Yeah. And then you have the next episode, which is the more modern with this, the, the economy's in ruins and this, uh, <laughs> and it's a and rat the, city. <laughs> yeah. It's a rat city, uh, in London. And, uh, you've got this developer and the voice work by Jarvis Cocker for that. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job and he's, he's just, you know, so desperate, but he acts like everything's okay. And he's going to be flipping this house, but he had to, um, fire his uh or lay off or his construction team and he has to do all the work himself and he's not qualified to do it Mm -hmm. and then there's like this bug infestation and Mm -hmm. and you just it's it just shows it's like be careful what you wish for and and it comes down to like you know be careful what you wish for i guess with property and yeah house ownership and uh but but even with all the like ominous overtones to it there's like there's this comedy to it, like in the second episode with Jarvis Cocker, how he wants to have, it's almost like he wants to have a more intimate relationship with his dentist, right? <laughs> yeah, he's on the phone with this person who you assume is his like, significant other or his partner, and you, the, you find out later that he's harassing his dentist, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of never, I mean, it's kind of never picked on, uh, picked up on, um, kind of why? <laughs> it's it's this bizarre it's just this bizarre in a series of and it, it's kind of in the middle of like this this couple arriving who say they're going to buy the house but they kind of just move in and and um kind of take over and what, what's interesting about this is yeah like the one of the tags on netflix is horror and it doesn't necessarily seem like horror but it does seem like this i the idea people have of elevated horror quote-unquote elevated horror like the first the first segment with the girls in the house um, feels very much like an A24 kind of release where, you know, it's like one of these Robert Edgar films where you're not entirely sure what's going on, but every, yeah. every minute of the film is there's a sense of unease. <laughs> um, and then in this middle segment with the rats, um, with the developer trying to flip the house, it, it feels almost Lynchian. Um, because you get this, you get the the thing with the two mice who keep saying, "Oh, we would like to, we would like to," and they talk in this very like children of the corn way. We would like to buy the house. We're very interested in the house, and they're uh, yeah. <laughs> they they actually I don't think they ever say they'd like to buy it, but yeah, it's good no, they, they just, you're right. They just don't. keep saying they're very interested. They're in very the interested <laughs> in the house, but they say it yeah. in this kind of children of the corn way. And the the husband, I don't know if it was purposeful. But he has this like kind of triangular face that kind of reminds you of a prey mantis. Um, so I was wondering if the whole time it was like leading up to the revelation that all these bugs that the developer keeps squashing and trying to keep from infesting the house, if they like are like in these like mouse suits, like the bugs are trying to <laughs> yeah. take over the house, but like by <laughs> uh, like going to the develop, and it's never like it's never addressed. But this is kind of like my head cannon. Um, <laughs> That's a good 
that that would be good if they didn't mean to do that. I like that though. But I mean, I was wondering the whole time, and then you get into this whole segment where um, other mice move in and they start tearing about the as, essentially as mice do, they start tearing apart the house, and the developer ends up in the hospital. He ends up falling down, hitting his head, and then the couple comes to the hospital bed. And it's like it's time to go home. And they take him back to the house, and it's like a welcoming home party, and the house is fine. It's it's just it, it seems <laughs> it, there's just something about it that seems so Lynchian. And then yeah. in the last chapter, it it really does. I mean, appropriately enough, because Wes uh, Wes Anderson loves stop motion animation. That did felt feel like the Wes Anderson segment um, with the the house that becomes a a sailboat. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's. Yeah, the last episode's interesting because it's, you know, maybe the most Hopeful. has the most room for like hor- for it being horrific in the fact that, you know, there's been it's like there's like been an apocalypse or whatever, or climate change or something. Everything's underwater, right? Mm-hmm. Except for this house, the house from throughout the three chapters, and. Uh, and uh, Rosa, who's a cat, is the landlord of the property, and she's just really fixated on fixing the property, but she needs money and nobody's paying rent. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like it, it seems like almost like a sitcom at that point, but I really liked it. But like this sort yeah. of like, you know, it's, you know, just everyone living their lives, just the lazy, this lazy cat. Um, <laughs> well, Elias, who's a fisherman, just wants to pay in fish, doesn't have any money. And the hippie Jen, hippie cat named Jen, who doesn't the new age all about yeah. new ager. She's just all about you know, uh, just just finding her center, but not finding the money for the rent kind of thing. <laughs> she pays and, the rent in crystals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I like Rose of the Cat, Susan Susan Wokoma. Uh, you mentioned earlier that's the voice. Just excellent work in this, but in this it's sort of it's kind of fun in a way but then when you think what it's really about it's like they have to escape because everything's sinking underwater mm-hmm. um so there's sort of like this pathos so there's comedy and pathos in it um but i think it, that one has a really nice mix of the two mm-hmm. uh, and when that character cosmos comes um <laughs> it's just he's hilarious right he's uh jen's boyfriend who's her uh, spiritual partner or however she describes him and then it turns out he's a handyman so he's going to help mm-hmm. help rosa but it turns out that he's just yeah turning the house into a boat mm-hmm. and actually that might be the smartest thing to do it seems like when you see him taking the floorboards out you're, you're thinking well, well this is you know this isn't right. This is just this crazy guy. He's destroying guy. the house. <laughs> he's destroying the house, but really he's saving their lives by making a boat. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's an interesting blend there. And the whole, the whole thing, yeah, it's very interesting. It's too bad. It is sort of buried on the Netflix platform, Yeah, but it's, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's really, it has a lot of dark elements to it but there's a lot of humor with it too. And I think it's a good, good blend of that. And I've read a lot of reviews saying, Oh, it's really dark and weird. And there, yeah, there's dark moments, but I think it's, it's definitely does a good combination, good balancing act between the comedy and the dark moments. I mean, it is dark and weird. I mean, that's, yeah. that's in the soup. It's, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's, it's, but I, I, I 
and in the in the first story, which is maybe the darkest and the weirdest, um, arguably. Uh, I mean, I I felt a personal connection to it. So I one of my nieces is named Mabel, and so okay. um, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's four. She's not nine, but she's four. But I mean, she does have she does have certain looks on her face, like uh, of like sort of vague disgust or confusion at times, and um, even though the 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 pup, the Mabel puppet in the film is not necessarily expressive. I, I was, kind of, I was kind of overlaying my Mabel's <laughs> expressions with hers. It's like, is there scenes for like, um, Mabel's trying to figure out what the heck is going on with their, her parents in this house, and all these weirdos are sort of like cackling in the corner, and <laughs> and she has this expression on her face, like, like, am I the only one seeing this? <laughs> It's just, yeah. doesn't it seem weird to anyone else um yeah. but i mean she also has this like you know she saves her sister at the end and is very protective of her little sister you know my niece mabel has a little sister too so i was kind of i guess i was reading some of my own stuff into this and just like the the protectiveness of of looking out for the little sister as everything descends into madness around them um does your niece have a british accent no sadly okay <laughs> no um, that would that would be that would probably put it over the top but even the even the 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 middle segment where he comes home and it's not destroyed and all the the mice welcome him home and and herald him i mean it's like yeah you know i think a lot of people know what it's like to sort of feel economically ground under having lost a job or lost a home or um, struggling to keep a home or struggling to keep a job or, you know, a lot of these, it, there's definitely a feeling of the the developer as sort of like con man. He's like got all these plates spinning on poles. He's trying to keep in the air, but at the same time, th- there is something sort of warm about like he's hit rock bottom and he comes back and all these people he thought were interlopers or have, are kind of like, welcome you 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 know it's it's all uphill from here welcome it's it's yeah. so bizarre it's so bizarre that 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 segment ends how it ends but and then the third segment too it, it's that is kind of more funny and more hopeful i'm glad i kind of saved it to last because it did there's there's a lot of white knuckle stuff in those first two segments that so you get to the third one and it's, it's just kind of a it feels kind of a relief there's this as you said there's like this sitcom-y vibe because there's wacky neighbors and then this other cat comes along who pitches a tent on the lawn and is you know one day he's all like yes i will help you fix your house and the next day he's like tearing the house apart to build an, a boat for somebody else and um yeah. it's it's oh it's it's just it's it's so bizarre but it's yeah. it's so wonderful and just like the craftsmanship of of the world and i i don't know who came up with this i like there was once it was, there were three different directors or uh including a director team mm-hmm. um but there was one screenwriter, Edna Walsh, um, yeah. who's done mainly theater. Yeah, Irish playwright. Yeah, it's like the most notable thing she's done movie-wise, other than this, is Hunger, the the Steve McQueen's breakthrough movie. So, I do not know what was going on in this woman's head. It's actually a guy. Oh, is it a guy? Yeah. I apologize. Um, yeah. I don't know what was going on in his head, but uh, I like it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Keep it coming. <laughs> but I mean, it just yeah, it's 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 so much fun. It's um, yeah, 
I, you know, in, in an occasionally disturbing kind of way, there's the, the, the world is so rich and, um, you know, going into this cold is kind of the best thing. Cause I didn't know what to expect from it. And it, it's just, it's, I, I just found the experience so rewarding from an yeah, artistic be- level and a, a, f- a story level. Yeah. Agreed. It'd be great if it was a series, if they did come out with more, but I'm pretty sure that was just like a, miscategorization on some sites but it'd be good if it was um or they come up with a sequel or something because this is really odd and i think it'll find you know an audience eventually maybe become like a cult film but yeah yeah, now it's tough to see it because it's sort of just buried there like you said on the platform this has cult film written all over it and um i mean that in the best possible way because it's made with such earnestness but I, I, I think I would understand if only like a limited audience <laughs> sort of clued into this, <laughs> but it will be a very passionate audience. This is something I like trick or treat, which um, kind of didn't pick up steam until years after it sort of, it, I think if I remember trick or treat was released direct to video, it had like a little festival run where it was at places like Toronto after dark. And then it went direct to video, um, but it picks up sort of steam years later um and, and become sort of a cult film and i could see this happening to the house as well uh somebody on online i i was reading some other people's thoughts on it and somebody said it was like wes anderson meets Coraline, and i was like yeah that sounds about right <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good good comparison yeah uh let me see any final thoughts here i don't know i, I yeah <laughs> i'd say check it out <laughs> yeah, it's there on Netflix available. Anybody who has Netflix, it's right there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, British too, that adds an element to it. There's something about it, like that first episode, the fact that it's with the English accents, it's just mama, you know, <laughs> what's, what's going on, mama? It just, I don't know, <laughs> freaks me out in a good way, I think. Though. Yeah. yeah, there's a kind of like um, Twilight Zone, Downton Abbey vibe to it. <laughs> Because it, it starts with like, apparently the the father comes from like a wealthy family, and so they're living in this like shack and in the woods, and the family comes by, and it's like, oh, you know, they they don't say this place is a dump, but they basically um, do it in the snooty British way, and then I mean that starts the whole thing moving with the, <laughs> I mean the lesson the, the lesson again is like don't meet random people in the woods and do what they tell you, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, there, there, there How many a, times do they have to put that in, in films, right? <laughs> you have to be told don't meet rando random people in the woods and take their advice. But no, it, it, there is sort of a bit like that too. And again, it's it's such a weird way to start this thing because you have no idea if you go into it not knowing anything about this and you're like where is this going and you just encounter all these weird characters who are like cackling to themselves and then mabel comes along and is like you know what are you laughing about it's like oh hello miss how are you today <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you know she walks past like workers doing work on the house in weird corners and it's yeah. it's it's so bizarre but uh i'm here for it <laughs> let's do it yeah, and Thomas, the go-between, who then he's like, I'm just an actor. And yeah, he's just, yeah. He, 
he's just you can tell he's uncomfortable the whole time right he's just putting yeah. on a show for them having them sign the contract and that is yeah. I, I love that part because then it's like wait what is going on here who's <laughs> who's having you act what is what is this acting for who is it for what is the purpose and you never like you never find out why it's yeah. <laughs> it, it, it ends with mabel and isabella the little sister like abandoning the house as it and that's the weird thing too the house is destroyed at the end of the first segment right yeah, i think so because then we come to the rat segment and not only yeah. is it a rat world now the house is back and it's fine um so <laughs> just just like the basics of like trying to understand this world where you go from like 19th century human world 21st century rat world and then like post-apocalyptic cat world and it's the same house <laughs> Makes sense to me, Adam. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll have to leave that there. If you have any thoughts about cat and rat world and human world and how all that evolution worked out, yeah, I guess you can you can talk to us on social media anyway. Uh, we'll have to wrap up our show. Uh, we hope you liked it. If you want to listen to us again, you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And speaking of Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the End Credits show. Just open up that Spotify app and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can also find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. Tim, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, uh, Flash in the Deadpan. I've been focusing a lot on writing short stories lately, so I posted actually some short stories. I've been uh-huh. trying to get published, but I've also put them on the Flash in the Deadpan website if you want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Any Are any of those stories about weird houses? No, but I've been inspired now. <laughs> Rats and weird houses. <laughs> uh, I think you might have just written Willard, but uh, we'll have to. Anyway, we'll leave that there. Uh, I will be back here on CFRU tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then.